1 Kings chapter 18, go down to about verse 41. And it says, And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat, and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees, and said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, Go up, say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot, and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. And he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. And I want to read one more verse in Ezekiel, if I can find it. I think it's in chapter 36 or 34. Let me find it here. I should have marked it. Um, Ezekiel 34, verse 26. And it says, And I will make them and the places round about my hill a blessing. And I will cause the shower to come down in his season. There shall be showers of blessing. I said last night that this is sort of one of the messages that you want to preach. um, And I'm weak and I won't do it justice tonight. Um, But I've thought about this... um, quite a bit over the last few days and, and over the last few days I begin to think and we often and I've said it a lot we talk about Elijah being the man of God who would call the fire of God down he did it on more than one occasion um, and, and so as we get into this we, we see he's also a man of God uh, that could call down the rain uh, the book of James uh, says Elijah was a uh, was just a man, a subject to like passions, just like we are. Uh, but yet he prayed uh, that it would not rain, and it didn't rain for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and it did rain. Uh, he was a man that had great power with God. Uh, he was a man that God used, and he just really came out of nowhere. He just showed up on the scene around 1 Kings chapter 17, I think it is, and, and he just sort of shows up and God puts this man of God to use. And, and all down through the years, he's been preached about. And, and, uh, and I would to God, we had more Elijahs in our time that could uh, really, we talked about prayer lives and prayer warriors. Uh, I would to God that we had more Elijahs. Brother uh, Brad mentioned that ask God for something to do and, and maybe your part is just to be a prayer warrior and I'll say that if you've been saved by the grace of God there is one thing you can absolutely do and that's you can pray uh, you can begin to ask God for a burden and, and I've, I've been fortunate enough in my life to have, uh, have burdens for lost sinners and, and it got to the point where even I couldn't eat and I couldn't sleep and I uh, so concerned about their souls. But uh, here was a man by the name of Elijah that he shows up one day uh, just out of nowhere. Uh, and about this time, a drought uh, has 
laid hold in Israel and, 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 and a drought had begun to take over and they couldn't, couldn't get any water. Elijah had by his fervent prayer stopped the heavens. You can read that Moses wrote about it and some of the chronicles wrote about it that they prayed that if your people will turn away from you and you shut up the heavens against them, that if they'll turn back towards your house, uh, would you not hear and give them a little reviving and on and on it goes. Uh, and this was a time there was a great drought uh, and man got to be uh, worried about where his next meal was going to come from. And I'll say this to you tonight. Uh, it's not very popular, but uh, the longer I live, the more I wonder. And don't get me wrong, I'm thankful for this way of life in America. Uh, God has blessed us so much, but uh, I'm concerned tonight that exactly what happened to ancient Israel is portraying itself in our nation. And what I mean by that is Moses uh, told the Hebrews, uh, when you get to that place uh, of blessing, the land where milk and honey flows, he said, be careful, because if you're not careful, you'll forget the God who gave it to you. And so I'm afraid tonight that we have grown comfortable uh, even in our churches in America. And we've gotten so comfortable uh, with this lifestyle. And I wonder if uh, maybe a lot of the material blessings uh, hasn't maybe, uh, maybe got our mind and attention off of the fact that it was God who gave them to us. And the reason He gave them to us is because there was a time we were a God-fearing nation. And, and, uh, uh, but, but you don't find much of that anymore. As a matter of fact, and I'm not going to get political, don't worry, but look around at the, at the things that are going on. It's been mentioned. Uh, women are men and men are women. Uh, I've got news for you tonight. Uh, God won't put up with that very much longer. Uh, there's going to come a day of reckoning and we're going to stand in great judgment for what we're doing to our generation of kids. Now we're going to stand in great judgment about the millions of gallons of blood that we shed at Planned Parenthood. There's going to come a day where God will surely recompense. How do you know that tonight? Because it said the blood of Abel just one man's blood that when Cain slew his brother God said the blood of Abel cries out to me from the ground. God's not forgotten anything tonight. And we're going to come under heavy judgment for what we've done in this land. And so Moses tried to warn them. Men of God down through the years has tried to warn them. But I, I will say there will come a day we'll have to settle that account as a nation. There'll come a day where as an individual we'll have to settle an account uh, there'll come a day as, as heads of families and so forth, we're going to have an account that needs to be reckoned with and, and needs to be settled. And so I've said it earlier tonight, uh, what little time we've got, uh, uh, what, let's make good use of it. And so here was a, here was a land in, 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 in just, a, just a famine. There was no water. And, and you, get, uh, you can go a little ways without food, but you really can't go long without water. And, and so without water, there were no crops to harvest. Without, uh, without water, it's essential tonight that uh, we must have water. 
And so they didn't have it there. And God said unto Elijah during this time, uh, He said, you go, uh, and you go by the brook, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sustain you there uh, by this brook, and you can drink the water out of the brook. And He said, I've commanded the ravens to bring you food. And they did. Uh, birds, uh, ravens, an unclean vessel brought Elijah bread and flesh every morning. And bread and flesh every evening. Where did that come from tonight? I have no idea. I've got in my mind where it comes from. I've got in mind that those ravens would fly over the banquet tables of Ahab. And take Ahab's food to Elijah. That's what I believe tonight. I can't prove that. But I believe that with all my heart. That that prophet that Ahab and his wife Jezebel thought so little of. I believe God was sending him their food from their table. And so Elijah was there by the brook and, and he was talking with God out in the wilderness. Just that sort of a simple life he had. Uh, for a great long while he would drink of the brook and the birds would bring him his food. And But that time God was seasoning him, uh, preparing him. And it finally came time the brook dried up uh, and Elijah didn't worry. Uh, God said, Elijah, uh, go down to Seraphath. I've commanded a widow woman there and she will help you and she will sustain you. Uh, so Elijah took off on this journey. Uh, Jesus said when he walked the earth uh, that he said there were many prophets and many widows in the days of Elijah the prophet, but to none of them was he sent, save this one woman. I can understand why God and His election and foreknowledge the same thing that I said last night, why He, why he went over the seven billion people on this earth the night that He sought me out. I don't know that any more than I know this. Why would God pass over all of those widows in Canaan land and His own clan of people, so to speak, from His own lineage? Why would He pass over all of them and choose a widow woman in a heathen land to sustain His prophets? But that's what He did. And so Elijah went out not really knowing where he was going, but he came to this place and he came to this city and he lifted up his eyes as soon as he got to the gate. And lo and behold, there was a woman there gathering up firewood. And God said to Elijah, I believe that's her. Now surely Elijah thought God has commanded a, 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 a woman with a lot of means and a woman with a lot of food, a woman with a lot of water, a woman with a lot of servants, a woman with a lot of money to sustain me. And when he got there, it wasn't at all like he had imagined. Because she was poor. And when I say poor, I mean poor. I mean, no servants. Her husband didn't leave her a thing. Actually, he did leave her one thing. And though she loved what he left her, it was another source of great misery, for he left her a son. And she had a son. And that son, I believe, was so weak that he couldn't even go out and gather sticks with his mama. He was so weak from malnourished, no food, no water. He was still at the house. Surely if he had been well, he'd have been out there uh, with his mama scrounging around, but he wouldn't to be found. Uh, so that leads me to think that uh, this poor widow woman had a dying boy at home. And that's the one that God said, 
I'm going to have you stay with her and she's going to take care of you. And now my friend, you can't understand the ways of God. You can search and search and you'll never understand them. But Elijah said, okay, Lord. And he asked this woman just to bring me a cup of water. You know, the Bible says that Jesus made the statement one time, whosoever bringeth a cup, he say, preacher, I don't know what my work's supposed to be. You know, right, that right there is the work. Whosoever giveth a cold drink of water to one of these in my name has done so unto me. And so, and so Elijah uh, asked God, and God said, that's her. And Elijah asked this woman, uh, would you just fetch me a glass of water? And being this poor widow woman, uh, not wanting to turn away a stranger, she went to fetch him a glass of water. And he said, while you're there, uh, make me a little cake and bring it to me that I might eat. He said, I'm tired. I've been on this journey. It's estimated he walked a hundred miles to get to her. And no doubt he was tired. And no doubt he was weary. And no doubt he was thirsty. And no doubt he was hungry. And he said, bring me a piece of cake. And she said, sir, I don't know who you think I am. She said, I don't have any. All I've got is just a little handful of meal in a barrel and a little cruise of oil. And she said, as a matter of fact, I'm out gathering two sticks that I might dress that for me and my son and we're going to eat it and we're going to die. She had no hope. It's sad when you see we're living in a world that thinks there's no hope. I mentioned that man who took his life today Sad that Satan has people thinking there's no hope. And she said, I'm going to go and fix what little I've got. And me and my boy are going to eat that. And then we're going to die. And Elijah said, don't you fear. He said, you do as thou hast said. But first, bring me a cake. He said, God has showed me that that little bit of meal in that barrel is not going to run out. And that little bit of oil in that cruise, it's not going to run dry. And you, it doesn't really say how all of that played out. Here's my thoughts on it. As she went back to her home, and she sure enough scraped the bottom of that barrel of meal. And I think it was just like she said. I think there was just one spoonful. And she went to that oil. And there was just a little dab in the bottom. And I believe she drained it to the dregs. I believe she drained it dry. And when she went and took the man of God his cake, I believe she went back to see if there'd be any left for her son. And when she got there, she found a little bit still in the bottom. Or maybe she might have missed it. And maybe, and maybe she just needed to turn it upside down, you know, and let it drain a while. And, and, uh, and so... So the next morning she got up. She is still alive. Her boy is still alive. Elijah was still alive. And she went to go make him breakfast. And she went back to that little bit of meal. And there was just enough there. In other words, what I'm saying to you is for the space of years that God never let that run out. I'm so glad of that tonight. I've thought about that and what Jesus uh, talked about in the parable of the virgins. Uh, when, they, uh, when they said there were five foolish virgins and five wise, uh, and, uh, and at midnight a cry was made, uh, and the Lord came back, uh, and they all went out. And you know what they said? Those foolish virgins uh, said, we don't have any oil. Uh, let us have some of yours. You know what they told them? They said, we don't have enough. 
I'm saying to you tonight, I've got just enough grace for me. I don't have any left to give you. But there is a storehouse. There is a storehouse. Well, when I've thought at different times in the course of my life, in the course of this ministry, I've thought, Lord, I don't have any more. My barrel is bone dry. I've went to it for the last time. There's not going to be any left. But then I go back the next time, and you know what? I find just enough grace. There's never any extra, but there's not ever any lacking. Now what I'm saying to you tonight is God will give you the grace for the season that you're in. I don't know who this is for tonight, but I want to assure you, he that in the Old Testament when they went out to gather manna, a manna fell at the time when the night was. A manna fell with the dew at just about the time it got dark. And about the times of your darkest places in life, you look and that manna will be there. And they went out and they had to gather it. And it says, He that gathered much had nothing left over, but he that gathered little had no lack. In other words, God gave every man just what he needed. Isn't that remarkable? I don't know what might come along your way in this life. Uh, uh, you could be like me. Uh, just a phone call out of the blue. Uh, your mama's had a stroke. Uh, and God let me go back to that barrel. And I found a little grace. And a little bit of help. They were in the middle of a drought. And for years, God sustained them by a little bit of oil that never run dry. And a little bit of meal, just a handful in a barrel that never ran out. Oh, that blesses my soul tonight. There's enough to get you from here to glory. There's just enough. I thought about that. After some time, that boy died. And it broke his mama's heart. And she went to Elijah. And she said, what kind of game? Now paraphrase. What kind of game are you playing with me? Now, after all of this, my son is dead. And Elijah took the boy and he took him up to his own little loft in his own room. He prayed unto God, Lord, what are you doing to this woman? She's been good to me. And she began to pray over this child. The Bible says life came back into him. I thought if we could just get these our lost, if we could get them to where the Master is, I believe we could pray to the God of heaven and life would enter to them. Amen. I really believe that. He preached the other night or made mention about the people's faith that broke up the ceiling and let their friend down. And we've just got to find a way to get them to Christ. It was mentioned last night that surely... One of these has got to pray through. I've thought of that so many times. There was no less. There might have been four or more, but there was no less than four vowed last night, either here or there. No less than four, maybe more. And maybe others' hearts was breaking. I tell you what I've got to done sometimes. I've got to just count them up and just begin to think and lift up their names, just their names, unto God in prayer. Just those that regularly attend this church. And I got to about 17 in Stockton. I'm saying to you, there's opportunity here. 
Surely, it's been said, I know, it's been said even again this week, uh, that I don't know how it'll happen, uh, but I've always thought that uh, once it happens, there's not going to be anybody can put a lid on it. Uh, I believe when it happens, it's going to happen. And we've seen some saved. And I'm thankful. And I'm not disparaging them. I don't prefer one getting saved over another. But what I'm saying to you tonight, there's a lot of work to do. And we are in the midst of a drought. That's just the way it is. You go through them. Churches go through them. Men go through them. Just hit those dry spells. And we need to be praying for a shower of rain to fall. So I've thought about this. Elijah went out after he healed the young man. And God brought his life back into him. Elijah went out. He didn't really go out looking for trouble, but he went out looking for the king. He went out looking for this man. Looking for King Ahab. And he met a man named Obadiah. And Obadiah said, Ahab, is that you? That we have looked high and low. There's not one place of ground that my king has not sought your life. That we've been looking for you. Where have you been? And Elijah said, you go and tell Ahab I want to see him today. And Obadiah said, no, no, no. I can't do that. He said, if I go away from you, the Spirit of the Lord will carry you off somewhere. I don't know where. And then Ahab will come hunt you and you won't be there and he'll cut my head off. And Elijah said, I'm going to see him today. And Obadiah went to get Ahab. And Ahab came to Elijah. And he said, Elijah, you are the man that troubles Israel. Well, I thought about that. That's what, you know, we're living in a culture... We're living in a culture tonight that this can hit you how it hits you. I really don't care. It's the truth. We're living in a culture that blames every problem on a conservative Christian like we are tonight. Every one of them. You're he that troubles this thing. And Elijah said, it's not me, it's you. It's you. And because you've taken the house of God and you've turned into a house of Baal, you've, they had... They had idols back then to Baal. They had a god named Molech. And that god named Molech was a statue. He had his arms stretched out. And they would put newborn babies out there in the statue of that thing's arms. And they would light a fire underneath it. And they would burn their babies unto death to sacrifice them to that god. Are we really doing that much different today? I'm going to ask you that. We might not be laying them in a statue. We're chopping them up at Planned Parenthood. We're sending them into a culture where we say you don't have to be a boy or a girl. You can be both. You can be neither. I'm sorry. You're looking at one man tonight that will not back down. There's some hills I will die on. And that's one of them. God made you what He made you. He made you what He made you. There are people getting, people, professors, losing their jobs. I thought it was impossible to get fired. But they're losing their jobs for calling the wrong pronouns. I'm sorry. You are living in an insane culture. It's not getting better. He said, you're the one. And Elijah said, no, it's you. 
It's your policies. It's your religion. Hey, let me ask you this tonight. Uh, we talk about uh, we talk about what's it going to be uh, when the tribulation gets here. Friend, you ain't going to look too far off. I believe we're in the midst of the beginning right now. I really do. When you can take people that'll shake their fist at God and say we can do as we please if that's not the church of Laodicea, then you tell me what is. We've got the Antichrist. You know, they're trying to digitize our money. Uh, that, uh, what do you mean by that? I mean, in 1988, George Herbert Walker Bush said New World Order for the first time. 2008, Barack Obama said, we're going to fundamentally transform the United States of America. I've got news for you tonight. Mission accomplished. We have been transformed. And we've sat idly by. And now we're in a dry spell. We don't know what to do. I'm telling you, it's time to do what Elijah did and begin to call on the God of heaven to send us a shower of blessing. And Elijah finally met Ahab. He said, it's not my fault. It's yours. And yours and all that think like you. I'll tell you tonight, it's not the church man's fault of all the ills and the trouble today. It's not our fault that people go out and shoot schools up. It's not our fault. You know whose fault it is? That Satan has blinded the minds. And you know who's Well, maybe it is our fault. We have allowed it to happen before our eyes. So maybe it is. Maybe you can throw some of that on the church of the living God. Elijah told Ahab, it's not me, it's you. And Elijah said, tell you what, you go get your prophets and I'll come by myself. And we're going to put an end to this once and for all. Now we're going to sit up on top of Mount Carmel. And we're going to see who the real God is tonight. And the Bible says they went up. 450 prophets of Baal. 400 prophets of the grove. And there was Elijah. And they gathered all Israel together. And Elijah said, tell me if this sounds reasonable. How we're each going to take a bullock. How we're each going to put it on the altar. And the God that answers by fire... Let him be God. And they said that sounds good to us. And Elijah said, you've got the first pick. You pick your altar. You build your altar. You pick your offering. You do everything. I'll let you go first. And they did. They took their bullet. They laid it out on the altar. They, they, uh, he said, just don't put any fire on it. And they laid it out there. And they began to call upon Baal. The Bible says from morning until noon. They cried, Oh, Baal! Oh, Baal! Would you answer it? From morning till noon, they cried, and nothing happened. Elijah said, Maybe your God's asleep, and maybe your God's out on a far journey, and maybe you need to raise your voice. Maybe he can't hear you. Sort of poking a little fun at him. And that made him mad. For then from midday until the time of the evening sacrifice, they jumped on the altar. They took knives and lances and cut themselves open and blood gushed out. I still cried, oh, Baal. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Elijah finally saw all he wanted to see. He said, you've had your time and now it's time for me he, as Brad said the other night, the first thing that he did, he repaired the altar. Now that's a good place to start tonight. Get your altar fixed. 
How long has it been since you really just... And I'm not talking about this. How long has it really been since you had an altar here that you really just poured your heart out? Get that altar fixed. The altar, if the altar ain't right, nothing else will be right. You know that? If you get that wrong, Sort of like Jesus. Some say he's a good teacher, a good man. If you don't walk away with the fact of knowing that Jesus Christ is God, everything else is wrong. You get that part wrong, everything's wrong. Get your altar right. Repair it. And so they did. He, he got 12 stones. Now one stone for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. He got those 12 stones. He built his altar. He took his book. He divided it out. He said, now go. Now keep in mind, there was a drought. He said, go and get four barrels of water. I guess they had to go to the sea to get it because there wasn't no water in the streams or brooks. They carried up four barrels of water, dumped it all over the sacrifice, and dumped it on the altar. He said, now do it again. And they went and got four more barrels and dumped it on the sacrifice and dumped it on the altar. He said, now go do it again. And they went and got four more barrels, dumped it on the sacrifice and dumped it on the altar. Meanwhile, Elijah dug a great trench all the way around the thing. A great trench. And then he had them fill that up with water too. He simply just said, Lord God, God of Israel, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, I pray to your God and let these people know. You see who he was really addressing? That there were more than one class of people there. That there were the prophets of Baal. He wasn't talking to them. Their mind had already been made up. There are some folks you meet in life just will not be saved. Will not be. Their mind is made up and you're not going to change it. Jesus said, don't cast the pearls before the swine. There was another class of people there that, that knew. But the majority of them I feel like belonged to a third class. And that's who Elijah was talking to. He said, you're just hoping between two opinions. He said, if God is really God, serve Him. And if Baal's God, serve Him. I want to ask you something tonight. How many more warnings do you need? How many more sermons do you have to hear? How many times is, is the reaper of death and need to come to your town and your home before you make that choice? Really, how much longer? That's what Elijah was saying. You're living in a drought. How long before you wake up? Baal was supposed to be the god of the weather. Some god he was. They were in a drought. So what are you doing? How long are you going to wait? Till you're gray-headed? Will it be enough time by then? Your soul might be required of you tonight. Then what are you going to do? How long, he said. But so Elijah had just drowned in this altar. Drowned in his offering. His bullet was saturated. And the altar was dripping. And the trench that he dug was filled up with water. And he said, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, uh, God caused these people to know that they have turned their backs on you. Cause them to know that you are the true and the living God. And that I am thy servant. And I've done everything at your bidding. And the Bible says fire came down. Consumed the offering. It consumed the altar. It licked up the dust. And it licked up the water that was in the trench. He called the fire of God down. Impossible 
that that could happen, yet not with God. The people then said, uh, said, Jehovah, He is God. Now we had the people convinced. And he said, take the prophets of Baal now and kill them. And they took those 450 prophets down and killed every last one of them. So now what? They were still in the midst of a drought. He had just called the fire down, showed them who the God of heaven really was, but they needed some help. They needed something. They needed something sent down from above. So what did Elijah do? He went back up to the top of Carmel and he took a servant with him. And the Bible said he bowed down. And when his hand head between his knees, he was bowed down there. A lot of you can't get in that condition tonight. That's all right. I can't either with my back. It's the condition of your heart. But Elijah had his head between his knees. And he began to pray. And he began to pray for rain to come. The Bible says in James, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. Kim made a talk on that last year at Revival. That word effectual and fervent prayer, that's a prayer with something to it. Too many times we just pay lip service in prayer. This was effectual, fervent prayer. Elijah wanted rain. And he wanted it from heaven. And he... You know, when we get in that kind of shape, God will tend to answer us. And Elijah, with his head between his knees, told his servant, he said, go up to the top. They were almost at the top of Carmel, but the top was out of sight. And he told his servant, run to the top of Carmel and tell me if anything's happening. And that servant ran up and he came back and said, nope, not a thing. Not a thing. Elijah said, would you go back again? And Elijah prayed, come back the second time. And Master, it still ain't doing anything. Elijah prayed, go back again. And the man came back out of breath. There ain't no use. Master, it's not working. Elijah prayed, go back again. He came back, this is futile. I know how Satan plays with you tonight, the lost sinner. And I know how he plays with the church. He'll tell you it's futile that the effort has been wasted this week. Go again. Go again. Elijah prayed. He said, go again the fifth time. And the man went and he came back. He said, Master, there's still nothing. And Elijah prayed. And he said, go check again. And the man went back the sixth time. And he came down. And he said, Elijah, I don't know what to tell you. It's not working. It's just not working. And what did Elijah do? Elijah prayed. Elijah prayed with his head between his knees. And he prayed fervently and effectually. And he said, go one more time. Would you just check one more time? And the man of God came back. And he said, what did you see? And he said, I've seen a little cloud about the size of a man's hand. And Elijah said, you go till Ahab. He best get off of this mountain for the rain's coming. And the Bible said all at once, it became black and the clouds moved in and the winds came in and the rain started to fall. I'm telling you tonight, when it seems that nothing's working, you pray and check again. Ezekiel said there shall be showers of blessing. That's what I'm waiting on. I'm no meteorologist. 
Although with my metal in my back, I, I can become one. I can tell you when bad weather's coming. I'm telling you tonight, a rain cloud is moving toward the sand. Missionary Baptist Church. Preacher, you've been saying that four years. I know it. I know it. It took them seven tries. But on the seventh try, it might take us three more years. I'm telling you, rain is coming. Showers of blessing. We used to sing a song. I look, I don't think it's in any of these books. I said we've had some saved in the four years that we've been here. We have. And a great number joined the church. I'm thankful for that. But that song says, Mercy drops round us or falling. But for the showers we plead. The mercy drops have fallen about this place. Just a drop here and a drop there. Thankful, don't misunderstand me, thankful for every last one of them. Thankful for all that's been saved. Thankful for all that I've had the privilege of baptizing and uniting with this body. Thankful for every one of them. But they are mercy drops. I'm looking for a shower of blessings. Preacher, it ain't happened yet. I know it. You know what I'm going to do about that? I'm going to pray. I'm going to go tell you to check again. Check one more time. He said it, but it's just a little cloud. Not as big as a man's hand. And I'm telling you, God can take that little something and do mighty things with it. I've enjoyed what I've felt this week. I've enjoyed what I've experienced this week. Uh, people talk, I thought about Don Rush on the way down here tonight. And bless his heart, I guess all this happened in the mom. And thinking about the plight that he went through in different times, he'd tell me, brother, just preach it, brother, preach it. He'd tell me, brother, Brother Randy Robinson said it last night, brother, I've run, the devil's run me all over. But he runs me to a certain spot. He's got a sock right there. He stops. You see, even Satan, I know the mind games he plays. How many of you heard testify this week, Satan was right there with me, uh, telling me that's not it? You know what he's saying when he says that? He's at least admitting something happened to you. Because if he's telling you that's not it, what in the world is he talking about? If there was nothing happened, he wouldn't have said that's not it. He just said, you ain't got anything. But if he says that's not it, and your mind keeps going back, I'm not trying to put a testimony in your mind. I'm trying to get you to look at the mercy drop and pray for the shower. If something happened, he said, that's not it. What's not it? That's the devil himself admitting something took place. See, that's what he done with me. That wasn't it. What do you mean? What what wouldn't it? Something happened. I felt it. But that wasn't it. But what was it then? Never has happened before nor since. So it had to be something, didn't it? See, he can't walk you past that spot as Brother Randy said last night. He can't do it. He'd have to walk through the blind. He stays away from the blind. He can't walk you no further than that. I'm telling you, I believe it'll take one to start. It's been said for years. It'll be, I believe he said it last night. It'll be like popcorn. I'm telling you, you won't be able to put a lid on it. There won't be enough umbrellas in Macon County to, to shadow you from the showers that God sent. 
That was a blessing. The Bible promised He'd give us early rain. He'd give us a later rain. I don't know if you know this or not. We're in the sunset of time. How much more evidence do you need? How much more evidence do you need? Look, uh, as Brother Ronnie said this week, uh, drugs are everywhere. There's a new drug now on the street called Trank. It literally turns you into a, a, a zombie. It tur- uh, fries your mind, makes your flesh fall off of your body like a walking dead. Yeah, but that's the culture that your kids are growing. How much more evidence do you need? Digitizing their currency. I preached three years ago about the Great Reset. The more I pray to that, it's in place. The plan is in place. It's not hearsay from the World Economic Forum. You go and look it up. You see, instead of bringing every other nation up to America, they couldn't do that. And they said, we've got to bring America down to the rest of the world. And that's their plan. You know what? A little humbling might do us some good. I don't want to give up my free. You know our founders... They fought a revolution over less freedoms than we've lost today. Let that settle in. Three years ago, I live in a state. Our governor arrested people sitting in their cars on Easter Sunday at a driving service, arrested, hauled them off to jail. How much more evidence do you need? We need to be praying for showers. I love the mercy drops. We need to rain. Our ground is dry. We're like the valley of dry bones. You ever seen down in Texas where the heat in the summer gets so hot, the ground's just cracked, and big old, uh, big old uh, uh, gorges are there, and that hard dirt. Uh, the Bible said in, in the Old Testament that to break up your fallow ground and sow in righteousness. Till the Lord rains righteousness upon you. Break up the fallow ground. But see, we can plant the seed. You can till the field. But unless God provides the rain, nothing will ever happen. Nothing. So I plant in hope. And you testify in hope. The world thinks there is no hope. That widow woman thought there was no hope. I've got two sticks. Going to fix it. Me and my son are going to eat it and die. She had no idea. She had no idea what God had in store for her. Now let me tell you something else and I'm done. Uh, Brother Brad mentioned last night, I heard him say the word bound. Now this church has been so bound. Some of you have been so bound for so long. You know what the Bible said? One of the greatest miracles that gets overlooked. When Jesus raised Lazarus and Martha and Mary rejoiced and Lazarus walked out of that grave but his grave clothes were clinging to him, surely Jesus that raised him from the dead had the power to unloose those grave clothes. Surely the Son of God, if He had the power to raise him, He had the power to unbind him. But do you know what he said? He he wanted his people to do that. He told his apostles, now you loose him and you let him go. See, God really doesn't need my help and your help. But he allows us part of that glory. 
He allows us to work for Him. And so if something that you can say or something that you can do will unbind this church, please, for the love of God, do it. If something you can say or do will unbind one of our Lazaruses, please do it. Not that God needs you to. He lets us do those things. He lets us share in the glory of His work because He loves us. And He wants us to experience that. Not that we can brag. Not that we can say, well, I went to a sinner and asked if they lost and they went to the altar and got saved. Not, not so we can boast about it. Not so we can boast about it. But so when years down the road, uh, that same little boy or girl you went to, I can say a brother or a sister came to me one night and I was bound and they unloosed me. Don't you know Lazarus, years later sitting down, recounted that story? Christ raised me from the dead and I couldn't see, but I walked out of that tomb still bound some of you are just stumbling along. Raised, I believe, raised from the dead, forgiven of sin, but still bound by Satan in great clothes. And Lazarus, I can imagine him sitting there years later. He said, I came out bound head and foot. And I couldn't see who it was, but I knew their voice. It was my sisters. It was Martha and Mary. And I could hear them. And they was unwrapping me. And they let me go. I believe that was a source of joy for that whole family for years. Pray for rain. I don't know what else to tell you tonight. If you have nothing else to do, pray for rain. We need a shower. A shower of blessing we need. Mercy drops have fallen. But oh, for the showers we plead. Get you a song or whatever, Brother Brad, I'll just turn it back to you.